Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today is Thursday, July 30th, 2020. On this day in 1945, the USS Indianapolis was torpedoed by a Japanese submarine. The ship had just delivered key components of the Hiroshima atomic bomb to the Pacific island of Tinian. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the day that the USS Indianapolis was torpedoed by a Japanese submarine. Let's go back to the dark waters of the Philippine Sea in the early hours of July 30th, 1945. It was minutes after midnight. All was quiet aboard the USS Indianapolis, a high-speed World War II Navy cruiser. Of the approximately 1,196 Army men aboard, most of them were asleep. But not 46-year-old Captain Charles B. McVeigh III. McVeigh breathed a contented sigh as he glanced around his ship's deck. It had been two weeks since they set sail from Mare Island, California, on a top-secret mission for Project Manhattan. Manhattan was America's program that built the world's first atomic bomb to be used in combat, nicknamed Little Boy. The USS Indianapolis had been tasked with transporting many of Little Boy's components to the tiny island of Tinian in the northern Marianas. Their cargo included a crate full of bomb components and two heavy canisters filled with enriched uranium, the most important part of the device. No one, not even Captain McVeigh, knew what damage could be done by the materials inside these containers. All they knew were their orders, guard the cargo at all times and get to Tinian as fast as possible. So far, McVeigh had executed his instructions flawlessly. The Indianapolis set a record speed of 74 and a half hours from California to Pearl Harbor, and that was without its usual envoy of sonar-enabled destroyer ships. Had a Japanese submarine been lurking below, they would have been sitting ducks. Instead, they arrived safely in Tinian and unloaded the mysterious cargo. Then the USS Indianapolis traveled over to Guam before setting sail on July 28th, again without an envoy. The USS Indianapolis was to report to the Philippines where its men would prepare for a fresh attack on Japan. And just after midnight on July 30th, they were halfway there. McVeigh closed his eyes as a humid breeze fanned his face. 
The past two weeks had been exhausting, but it was almost over. All he had to do was get to the Philippines and he could finally breathe easy. Little did he know, disaster was about to strike. When Japanese Lieutenant Commander Mochitsura Hashimoto spotted the USS Indianapolis, he could hardly believe his luck. Here was an American Navy ship headed straight towards him and missing its usual fleet of destroyers. Immediately, Hashimoto shouted orders to the crew aboard his submarine, the I-58. They armed six torpedoes for the attack. Then they waited as the Indianapolis drew closer and closer. Finally, after it had come within 1,500 yards, Hashimoto yelled, fire. The first torpedo plowed through the front right of the Indianapolis. Instantly, dozens of men were killed. The second torpedo slammed into the middle of the ship, igniting its fuel stores and powder reserves. Fires and explosions erupted all over the vessel as its front bow broke off into the water. Captain McVeigh screamed orders to abandon ship. Many of the men strapped on life vests before jumping into the water. Others were so panicked that they threw themselves overboard with no flotation. Captain McVeigh himself dove into the water, but his chief warrant officer, Leonard Woods, stayed behind. Officer Woods tried over and over to wire an SOS, but it was no use. Just 12 minutes after the first torpedo struck, he and roughly 300 other men trapped aboard the Indianapolis sank deep into the Philippine Sea. Coming up, the fate of the Indianapolis's crew. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Now, back to the story. When the USS Indianapolis suffered a torpedo strike in the midnight hours of July 30th, 1945, no one had seen it coming. In fact, Captain Charles McVeigh had specifically asked his superiors whether he should use special tactics when traveling from Guam to the Philippines. But both the Navy routing headquarters in Guam and McVeigh's commanding officer, Commodore James Carter, had indicated that such maneuvers were unnecessary. Carter said the Japanese were on their last legs and wouldn't pose any trouble. It was a careless decision. But McVeigh had taken it seriously. Instead of zigzagging to throw off submarines, he chose a straight path across the Philippine Sea, the quickest path. This put the Indianapolis directly in the crosshairs of Japanese Lieutenant Commander Mochitsura Hashimoto's submarine, named the I-58. Six torpedoes and 12 minutes later, all that was left on the water was a thick pool of oil and debris dotted with flailing Navy men. 
of the 1,196 men aboard the USS Indianapolis, an estimated 300 went down with the ship. Rescuers for the nearly 900 survivors wouldn't arrive for four more days, during which time they were ruthlessly picked off by sharks. They watched helpless as fins patrolled the waters. From time to time, one of their comrades would be dragged underneath. Anywhere from several dozen to 150 men are thought to have died this way, making this the deadliest shark attack in history. Many went delirious from dehydration and drinking salt water. Others had knives, and in their delirium, they sometimes fought and killed each other. Some hung on to loose debris. Others were lucky enough to have life jackets, but even so, the jackets were too flimsy to hold up their body weight. For many, this meant endless, sleepless hours of paddling to stay afloat. On August 2nd, four days after the torpedo attack, the survivors were spotted by a U.S. pilot. He'd been doing a routine flyby when he noticed the vast oil slick and swooped down to investigate. Of the nearly 900 men who survived the sinking of the USS Indianapolis, only 316 of them lived to be rescued. One of these was Captain Charles B. McVeigh III. Then, on August 6, 1945, an American B-29 bomber dropped Little Boy on Hiroshima in Japan. It was the same atomic bomb that McVeigh had helped deliver to the Pacific Islands just days before his ship sank. In a highly controversial turn of events, McVeigh was court-martialed for effectively sinking his own ship. The Navy accused him for failing to use a zigzag path to evade submarines, despite the fact that McVeigh had been advised by Commodore Carter and Navy routing that the Japanese weren't a threat. The Navy also claimed that the USS Indianapolis had been operating under radio silence, meaning no distress signals could have been sent or received. But McVeigh believed this was false. The ensuing trial was highly publicized. Still, the Navy stuck to their guns, convicting him for failing to zigzag. It wasn't until years later that Navy documents were declassified. They clearly showed that at least three distress signals had been received. Allegedly, one of the officers to receive a signal was drunk. Another told his men not to bother him, and a third thought it was a trick by the Japanese to lure and then ambush U.S. rescue boats. No one had given a thought to the high-speed USS Indianapolis traveling unaccompanied by its usual fleet of sonar-enabled destroyers. Of the nearly 400 U.S. ships sunk during World War II, McVeigh was the only captain to be court-martialed. He was the Navy's scapegoat, and he knew it. Despite this, the Navy kept McVeigh on, and when he retired in 1949, they promoted him to the honorary title of Rear Admiral. But he couldn't undo the vast damage to McVeigh's morale, and in 1968, he took his life with a Navy pistol. 
30 years passed, and in 1999, Mochitsura Hashimoto, the Japanese lieutenant who had sunk the USS Indianapolis, wrote a letter to Republican Senator John Warner. It said, Our peoples have forgiven each other for that terrible war. Perhaps it is time your peoples forgave Captain McVeigh for the humiliation of his unjust conviction. On October 30th, 2000, 55 years after the USS Indianapolis sank, U.S. President Bill Clinton signed off on the appeal to exonerate Captain McVeigh. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Ali Wicker, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 